So, welcome to Teaching River. Hey River, you are 1,280 days old. Your next birthday is in 181 days on a Friday, and you're 27 in dog years. <laughs> um, so, I am here with Uncle Jesse, and we're gonna have a little bit of a talk about fatherhood. Um, I, how long have I known you? Uh, 16 years. Um, damn. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you have probably a better grasp on Grant at, in his teen years than I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so, say hi first. Hi. <laughs> it's nice to be here in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, you have two little ones, um, me and Nico. And, um, you know, they're, Mia's five, right? Mia is six. And Nico's four. four. Um, we didn't talk for a long time, so I didn't get a chance to, you know, uh, see the birthing and, and you know, uh, burgeoning process of a child. Um, but I know them now, and I love them very much. And, um, you know, so being that i've known you i mean like basically as long as i can remember um i've always considered you you yelled at me in the first episode for saying that i don't have friends in high school but that's because you're family not friends <laughs> all right way to redeem yourself <laughs> um i've always considered you family um so i mean it's kind of crazy now like you know what this is since since we were best, you know, really good friends in high school, which would be probably over 15 years ago, to now be seeing that we're both fathers, we both have, you know, families, and um, we do adult things. Yeah, um, and you're about to embark on a very different chapter in your life, um, so I do want to talk about that a little bit. But um, like, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to open with a heavy one. What do you think is like the biggest um, lesson you've learned so far as, as a father? Oh, damn. You didn't even warm me up. Nope, nope. Um, <laughs> patience. Uh, patience is definitely important because you will find yourself on some days, you know, depending on the mood and what's going on in the household and outside the household, you will find yourself on the verge of a fucking nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't stress enough. If I could think of one most important thing, it's patience. Um, and you have a daughter and a son. Do you think that it is a different process with a with a different uh, totally. gender? Yeah, yeah totally. So um, what have you learned about that? As much. I mean, honestly, uh, just in my opinion, my household, girls are definitely easier. Mm -hmm. Um She's always the most eager to please. She's always the most, you know, eager to learn. Um, my son tends to uh, test his limits, you know, and he's always wants to push everything to the edge of what he thinks is allowed and not allowed. So, <laughs> you know, she's a little bit more um, laid back in that respect. I guess it's that, that old saying, I hate to, like, quote my parents, but boys will be boys. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, yeah, she... They, not that it's like, a, you know, one of them's really hard and one's really easy. It's just there's definitely a huge difference between the two genders. Mm. And it's noticeable on a daily basis. So what was, I mean, I know for me, like when River was born, um, 
like for example like i didn't quite it i don't think it sunk in for me that i was had this responsibility until i had river in my arms and it was like a mentally you know it was a great thing but like my brain exploded i mean honestly you know i guess it's different for all people but um i don't think it really fatherhood didn't really sink in it it definitely wasn't when she was born um why do you say that you know you do you do the whole nine months you know if you if you have time you read the you know the books and like you, you know you learn everything you listen to the doctors your parents everybody and nothing quite prepares you for that moment where they you know put her in your arms for the first time but i don't think fatherhood actually sank in until like the age of two and give me more what 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 is that what does that mean you know, the baby is like you're on eggshells in the beginning you know you're you know everything's got to be done a certain way they can only you know drink formula or breast milk or you know certain times this sleep schedule that and you're just like there's no interaction really because yeah. it's just like this uh, people are going to kill me for saying it. It's like this alien life form that somebody just put in your arms and, mm. you know, you're like, all right, I got to keep this thing alive. Um, until that first, like, you know, to me, it was like the first verbal interaction, you know, like the first time she said a word and the first time she started asking for stuff and, you know, smiling, you know, on the regular and giving you that look. And, you know, then the walking comes that for me was kind of like when fatherhood started to set in. And I'm not saying that like I wasn't a father. Yeah. You know, I was definitely doing all the right things and everything in the beginning. But like, I don't, it's almost like it, it didn't feel like it was a real like living person until like one to two years old, mm. you know, somewhere mm. in that range. I, I can kind of relate only because like when Fallon and I were talking about it, like I, you know, I start seeing the baby bump and like, she was like, you know, started talking to me about things. And I was like, well, it's not real yet because her heart isn't beating. And then when when um, I got the video, because I couldn't go, I was working, but I got the video of the heartbeat, that's when I was like, oh, okay, uh, this is a life now. And then, like, when she was in my arms, it was even more. And then, like, now I FaceTime with River pretty regularly. And, like, uh, I would say even four months ago, um we'd talk on the phone and stuff and it was just me talking to her and now she's actually talking to me right. you know i mean she has a straight conversation and that that's is like everything a, changes that's like a mind-blowing experience because you're like wow this this is actually a person you know before it was she was talking for quite some time but it would none of it was intelligible or made any sense and you know now it's i mean she has thoughts of her own and it's fucking it's it hits crazy. you it hits you at different levels at different stages you know like first there's the walk-in then there's the talking and then like you know the talking evolves to like i'll never forget the first time you know mia um bye bye daddy's got to go to work and the first time she looks at you and goes why and i was like whoa mm -hmm. like she asked why and you know and then you're you find the conversations getting deeper and deeper because they're learning they're mm -hmm. they're their brains evolving um it was probably a little different for my son just because you know, by the second kid, you've been through it all already, mm -hmm. so you, mm -hmm. you kind of know what to expect. But, um, yeah, it's it, it definitely a wild ride when, when, like, you know, intelligent thought started forming. So, uh, on that, like, how do you feel, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to ever have another kid. I'm not, I'm not against it, but I certainly wouldn't want to even consider that until I have a relationship with River. But, like, what do you think... Um, 
what was the difference of the process? I mean, I'm sure that was, you know, the stress is probably totally different because you know, you know what you're doing. By, by the second kid, everything's just routine. And, uh, you know, the first kid, you're walking on eggshells, everybody's putting hand sanitizer on and, uh, you know, you're prepping the car for 20 minutes before you leave. It's like, yeah, shit, the second kid, you're just throwing everything around and, you know, you know, you take them, you take them, you mm -hmm. know, you're, every, everything is a lot more, I don't want to say lapsadaisical, but, you know, you're not ignoring the second kid, but it's just more routine. Yeah. You're not nervous anymore. You're not walking on eggshells anymore. So River doesn't know. Let's rewind a little bit to um, young Jesse. You know, explain to me oh, your, your household um, growing up. Um, you know, because you have a sister. So both of us grew up in a, in a two-family nuclear home. You know, what was that? I mean, uh, you know, I was raised in that Italian family-oriented household. Uh, my parents are Catholic, raised by a cop. Um, it was strict, but it wasn't, like, over-strict. Like, it wasn't, like, military school, but it was definitely... I mean, you're, you know, when we were young, like, the difference between my parents and your parents mm -hmm. was, was pretty big. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not saying your parents were lapsadaisical, but they definitely gave you a lot more freedom than, oh, yeah. than my parents gave us. Well, you're the uh, first child, so, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm second, so I, I, you know, by then, <laughs> it's slightly different. Yeah, luckily for my parents, I was actually the good one. Yeah, um, surprisingly. My sister uh, is younger than me. She's uh, three and a half years younger than me. She gave them a run for their money, so... I didn't break them in properly. They weren't ready for her. So raising, like being, I, I, I've known your parents for a very long time. I've never um, ever had an interaction with them about their religion. What, What is, I don't know, it's weird, man. Italians, it's like, it's almost like when you're Italian, it just comes with the territory to be Catholic. Are you like, raised with God in your life? They, you know, we had to go to... Um, you know, when you're Catholic, there's sacraments that you have to fulfill at different ages. Um, and you go to like a, you know, one day a week school to like teach you how to perform all these sacraments. It used to be, we used to dread it, man. It was called CCD. Mm -hmm. um, and you were going with like the same kids you went to school with, you know, whosoever's families were Catholic and wanted their kids to go through all the sacraments. But like, well, I, I don't know what a sacrament is because I was. Never it's like different this, stages so. of the religion. Like with any religion, there's always different. So like you know, communion and all that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you you know you're born, they baptize you. You know, first holy communion, reconciliation. You know, uh, it's when you like confess your sins. I don't know. You know, in like at you know ten, eleven years old, I don't know how many sins you've actually committed to sit in front of a yeah. priest and confess <laughs> your sins. It's uh -huh. like what, what did you? What have you possibly done? Um, you know. I, like religion was just you know once once CCD was over and the the sacraments were completed other than marriage because that's like the final yeah. it, you know it, it wasn't like heavily enforced like my parents weren't those Catholics that went to church every single Sunday you know we went to public school um, but it was definitely like always in the background. What do you now with the God that you're you're raised with in your family? How do you feel? Um, what do, what do you, do you have a God? Do you have a religion? Do you have a, a, a faith at all? Touchy subject. Okay. Uh, you know, I kind of, I definitely agree with some form of higher power. Um, I would say in my older years, I kind of strayed away from religion a little bit. Um, I mean, in my entire family, you know, my mother's side and my father's side, my kids are the first two kids to not get baptized. That was going to be one of my questions of whether or not you did that. And and so why didn't 
you do that. So it's here's the thing, like being raised Catholic, you know, you I you know the religion inside and out because it wasn't necessarily a choice. Um and my whole thing is like I tie that, you know, the whole idea of freedom of religion into my thoughts where if you want to be Catholic, if you want to be Jewish, if you want to be Buddhist, whatever, God bless you, you know, do whatever you want to do. Um, I just personally don't agree with somebody making the decision for you. Mm. And I feel like when you're Catholic, you're kind of like Catholic from before the time you can formulate a logical thought. Yeah. Um, you know, they take this baby, they dunk him into holy water and, you know, you've begun, you've initiated into the Catholic religion. Well, you know, if my I, the way I looked at it, man, if my kids want to be Catholic, they'll be Catholic someday. Mm -hmm. When they can formulate a logical thought, and if they wanted to be some other religion, I'll still love my kids exactly the same. Um, I just don't personally think that somebody should have to make the decision for you, you know, before you're old enough to think. So where do you get this idea? Is there a, a resentment or a, will you look back and you think like, you know, you felt forced? Why? I, you know, because that's a very progressive thought. I don't, I don't resent them. I think it's just the times changed the way we think from, you know, my parents again their parents raised them that way it was it, and i know even though my parents raised me that way times are different like people can make more open decisions nowadays mm -hmm. than you know it was a lot more closed-minded back then especially coming from like italian neighborhoods in new york where like you know you, you were going to church every sunday with every single person that lived within a 20 block radius because yeah, yeah. the, the, the neighborhoods were segregated back then you know it was like the catholic italians mm -hmm. lived here the irish lived here it was all like segregation we don't live in that society anymore. So I just don't feel that my kids should have the decision made. You know, my kids are old enough to think for themselves and make good adult decisions. And they want to be Catholic. God bless you. I'll take you and introduce you to the priest and you can get baptized. Mm -hmm. You know, if they don't want to be, then I, I don't hold any kind of resentment. And I don't hold any resentment against my family for the way they were raised and the way we were raised either. So um, I'm leading to something here. Um, I, you know, I, 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 um, I do want to do this with Priscilla at some point because I think she has a very interesting look on, on her life from where she's from. But is she religious at all? I mean, same, same kind of deal. Um, you know, she, she's from a third world Spanish country. And again, Catholic is, is basically the main religion. Um, and she was raised and did the sacraments and... I, I think my wife feels the same exact way I do. But she's she's not like a heavy practicing Catholic, and you know, same. It's kind of like it's interesting because my you know, with our families being so different from each other, and you know, different a language separation and everything like that, they're still so similar. Like in those old school kind of religious ways, like her, you know, my her mother still you know does prayer and everything around the holidays and the the groups of all the women praying praying and uh, you know same thing with my my family. My grandmother still wakes up every day and, and prays the rosary, you know, 20 mm. times. You mm. know what I mean? So it's just, God bless you, you know, to each his own. It's just something that I'm not, at this point in my life, like, kind of living by. Yeah, you know so I mean? so then the thing, I, I very much so feel the same way with, with River is I'm going to I'm, I'm going to provide knowledge, and that's what kind of this is. Eventually, I want to talk to people of religious faiths and of various, and, and just provide knowledge, and you decide. I don't care what you do. Um, do but how is that, pro like, has God ever been a discussion with, with me and Nico? You know, like, how does that come about? It's funny you, you just brought that up, because, like, even something that took place last night, um, you know, we were 
there was in the and I gotta like kind of touch something to before I answer your question. Like there was a little bit of blowback in the family for oh I'm sure you yes. know my kids being the first two kids to not be baptized. You know with the religious grandmother, my parents, um, and eventually they learned that you know Jesse's not going to change his thoughts and we got to just respect it and we love our grandkids. My grandmother loves her great grandkids just the same. Um, and I have cousins that have kids and all their kids are baptized. So there was definitely blowback, but it's, so they're the only in your entire big fucking family. They're the only ones. Only two. Wow. Okay, that's um, quite a big decision. And they've kind of, in a sense, with recent family events, they've kind of almost become the outcasts. Because not not only that, me and my sister were the only two that went to public school. All the other cousins, everybody went to private Catholic schools. Um, but to go back to your question, last night we were down there, you know, visiting in Tabernacle with the parents, and. Uh, they were like telling history, like, you know, my, my dad's, they were telling the kids about their great grandparents on my dad's side who were um, no longer living, neither one of them. They, they passed in the 90s. And uh, it's interesting because it's not the first time it's happened that when my kids will ask where somebody is that isn't here anymore, um, my first immediate answer is they passed away. Mm-hmm. But my parents' first immediate answer to them is they're in heaven. Mm. and that dropped once again it was, it's not the first time it happened but it dropped because it happened once before when they were asking about the cat uh, our first cat Jaeger that uh, that died um, you know where is Jaeger and you know my mother will immediately go to he's in heaven mm. and you know I'll immediately as soon as my mother says that every time look at my daughter and say he just passed away mm. um, and it, my mom you know her dad they don't say anything anymore when I do that but like you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like enforcing that. Don't force it on my kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they respect it, but they still try. Yeah. You know, that's the stubborn Italian. So then, what is the response when? Because heaven is not a concept that they've really. Because they're not going, they don't understand it necessarily. Yeah. So then, what is? Are they interested? Do they ask? How do you? How would you broach that? They're subject? more interested on what's on TV and fucking yeah. Paw Patrol and shit like that. Like, they're. I don't think religion is like a heavy thought. Unless you push it into the kid's head, it's not something that they're really curious about. Hmm. Um, so the the question has never come up of what, how are we here, stuff like that? Right. Okay. Not yet. They're still, you know, like I yeah. said, at six and four, their, their biggest concern is what's for lunch and what's on TV right now. Uh-huh. Um, how do you think you would go about that? Because, like, for example, like for me, um, Ron and Gay, as you know, never right. pushed anything right. up. So then when I lost my grandfather at... 13 or 14, that's when I said, what is this? And Ron said, well, here's the religions, and you decide. Right. Um, and I, I kind of see it similar. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna educate my kids, you know, when they're old enough to understand that there are different beliefs and forms of religion out there. And in my personal opinion, other than maybe like a choice few that are like, you know, you know seriously intense, like, you know, freaking anarchist theories and the satanic worshipers and that kind of stuff. I mean, other than that, I'm going to explain to my kids that I don't think there's any real right answer out there. I think everybody feels in their own way that they're right, and you do whatever you feel is right. You know, educate yourself. Learn about all these religions. If my kids are going to be the first two Italian, you know, uh, practicing Jews in the family, then God bless them. You know, if that's what they want to do, I'll support you. But... I'm I'm not for like, I, and you know I don't think too, other than all the bad publicity like going back to being Catholic, I don't think the Catholic religion is really all as harmful as some people make it out to be. 
I just personally don't agree with the stage, the first stage, baptism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and that it has to be done when you're a baby and that, you know, it has to be done by the family or a priest and that knows you and everything like that. Like, you know, if you want to get baptized at 15 years old, why, why, you know, there's people that do it and you can get baptized older, but it's like always just this Italian tradition thing to like the christening dress or the, and the, you know, the, the big family to do and the godparents, like, you know, my, my kids have godparents, but they're not baptized. Yeah. You know, me and my wife don't look at it like that. Like, they have to be baptized to have godparents. No. Um, yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's just something I'm going to teach them. You know, educate yourself on different religions and beliefs, and whatever you feel is right is right. Yeah, that was, um, um, even though my parents never you know, broached the subject of God in our lives until we asked and stuff. We did have a discussion and it was uncomfortable with them that we didn't baptize River. Um, and and to, to my knowledge, we she hasn't been unless found decided to do that herself. We had a long discussion about it that that's, it is not my decision to make that for her. So we're not going to do it. And my dad, I remember, he was like, well, why don't you go to a Unitarian church and do it? Because they're the more, you know, liberal, eh, whatever, whatever. like, outside churches yeah. popping up these yeah. days, I've and, noticed. And I was like, well, you know, it, it was just funny. It was, it was uh, to me, that, like, that was even a discussion. Um, he even actually went to Fallon about it without me and was like, hey, but, but I, it just, you know, I, I strongly agree. It's, it's not at all my decision to be making. And, and, and that comes with a whole lot of baggage, in my opinion, that, that that's why if you want to make that decision pick up that baggage and go with it fucking rock on you know with, with them being italian it, it just comes and again the time that they were raised in totally different time raised by totally different people who my grandparents were even their upbringing was even stricter um it, they tried they definitely tried. They definitely tried to push hard for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like a battle for a, the better part of a year. Mm. And then I think they just kind of accepted it. Yeah. Um, and they don't treat my kids any different. My grandmother, the, the, the most religious person in the whole family, doesn't treat my kids any different. Um, it, you know, like I said, it's just one of those things that I don't really, I don't even really think a second thought about it. I don't feel guilty about not baptizing my kids, mm -hmm. you know. I have a friend who just had a kid, and him and his wife are kind of in a very similar situation. Like, they're in that beginning stage where the baby's two months old. Mm -hmm. and they, believe it or not, that's when they start doing it. Like, yeah. they, a two, three-month-old baby is yeah, when they, they make the decision <laughs> yeah. of, this is going to be yeah. this baby's religion for the mm -hmm. rest of his life. Um, and she was sitting in my kitchen the other night and with him, and he's a very close friend of mine. She's very close with me, too. And she wanted my take. She, we had this whole same conversation the other night. It's kind of odd that you brought it up. Um, and she started crying in hmm. my kitchen. Hmm. And I, I said to her, I'm not going to mention names or anything, but I said, look, you, you're in that stage. I, I felt this. Like, you feel a certain amount of guilt because you were raised this way. And you feel, you know, your family feels this is right. Your family's pushing you for it. You're just trying to keep everybody happy. And I said, I promise you, if... If you feel reservation because on the other end her husband he feels the reservation and she kind of does too I said don't let that guilt eat you up because it will pass mm -hmm. like it, it, it'll be a little rough in the beginning but you will see eventually they'll just give up and and accept your kid for the way it is and whatever your kid wants to do later is, is your kids business mm -hmm. so uh, on on to slightly shifting gears um, 
what do you think about our we grew up in an incredibly um, rural area with nothing to do um, I mean I remember riding my bike to yours or Connor's house and it would take two fucking hours um, you know what do you think that that you know now you're raising your kids in a very different um, atmosphere in the sense that it's it's very much a you know you grew up basically on half a fucking farm <laughs> you know and now now you're raising your kids here what what do you think do you think that was a benefit that we were out in the middle of fucking nowhere or um, don't get me wrong I, I love I love the town we're from um, you know close-knit community everybody kind of knows each other people say tabernacle is like the biggest you know, the biggest little town in the world. Um, but honestly, dude, I, I don't think it was great growing up out there because, like you just said, there was nothing to do. Yeah, there was nothing I mean, to do you were, drugs. You were, either, you were either riding dirt bikes or quads or getting fucking high. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we... It's funny, like, when I got to college and I left that area and I came down to an area that was more city-like, you know, 15 minutes outside of Atlantic mm-hmm. City, it, it was like a totally different world. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember, like, meeting people for the first time and going to parties and, like, seeing what people did and what they were all about. Because there's always drugs and alcohol and stuff around. And I remember sitting back one night. I, I'll, I remember exactly where I was, too. I was in, uh, I was at a house party in Mays Landing and saying to myself, like, these guys are all trying this shit for the first time. I know. And I remember saying to myself, like, we fucking did this in yeah. eighth grade. Yep. Like, it, we like I'm not tolerate. saying it was good. No, but we uh, had but a, uh, we had the experience yes. level of like, what, when you grow up in a setting where there's nothing to do versus a setting where it's like a city like area where there's tons of businesses and, a, you know, Atlantic City's right there. I was like, I almost felt like these people were like really sheltered. Yes. Um, but then later in life, I realized, like, no, we were just fucked up where yeah. we were from. Because again, there was there was nothing to do out there. You were either you were either getting in trouble if you weren't playing sports or something like that heavily. You were you were just basically up to no good, um, as we both know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So on that, like, just self-serving here a little bit. Did you when you you know you saw me start drugs, get real bad, stop get into a, a, you know, a, a, a semi-stable lifestyle, and then we stop talking, and then um, you come back into my life when, I mean, the world is burnt down, and, and I'm, you know, you see me fight my way back up. Do you think that, like, was there, a, I mean, you were basically a, a parent to me back when we were in high school, because I was, you were the only parent person my parents trusted me to go out with, and you basically babysat me. I mean, you changed me many a times because I was passed out drunk, throwing up on myself. Do you, th- you know, honestly, because I mean, I don't think I need to say that, but do you think, did you see the progression coming? Did you think it would get that bad after knowing me for so long? So, um, it's kind of been, a, you just touched on like an emotional subject, man. Um, don't get me wrong, and I've always loved you since the, you know, we we hit it off really fast when we met. I think, if I remember right, like, we were, we were playing a lot of music. I was playing in bands, and you were kind of, like, setting up sound stuff for, for different bands around town. You know, music was kind of big when we got to, you know, the end of middle school and high school. Um, I, I loved you, but I almost resented you in a lot of ways because I was like a 16 year old parent. Yeah. Um, I had to grow the fuck up real fast because I realized that it, 
you know, in the beginning, you know, it was just alcohol and like certain drugs here and there for you, but the alcohol was the worst. Um, yeah, you knew me during alcoholic stage you, for sure. I was bad for a while. Pints. And when I realized courts. when I realized that I couldn't stop you, I kind of like made a pact with myself. Like the only thing I can do is really try to keep them alive. Mm. And back in those days, man, like you know. I'm not saying it was like, but I'm going back 16, 17 yeah. years, it, you know, recovery wasn't as big as it is today. I mean, recovery was always there, but it didn't evolve until what it was until I think over the last like 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, shit, I remember them reviving you in the back of an ambulance in your driveway, standing with your mom. Like, you know, was the, that the, night, the alcohol when I died from alcohol poisoning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember like standing there as the 16 year old kid keeping the adults together. Mm-hmm. Because like your parents were sheltered, they they never saw your sister was a totally different entity than you were. Um, I mean, I, I remember you, you know, that same night, like before having you, you puked in a toilet and then put your fist through the back of the toilet tank. You know, you fought the toilet. Um, it, I resented you for that, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be the man I am today if you hadn't put me through that stuff, young. So I'm not saying I, I don't want to say I benefited from your uh-huh. addiction, but in a way you, you know, I'm about to go into this crazy career and I think you almost like paved the way for that. Um, you certainly know how to deal with a crackhead. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it, it was crazy, man, because I was sitting there and, you know, you didn't know what to do at a young age. Do I sit back and watch my best friend die or do I do everything I can to keep them alive. And, uh, I never, I knew you were going to get bad and I knew it was going to get worse as we got older. And I, I wasn't going to abandon you. Um, but I also knew that if I did, it would get worse really fast. Mm-hmm. And I know that they teach you that in recovery that like it, you can't stop a person from what they're going to do and the drugs are going to do. But I think to a small extent, you did care about what you were putting me through. And I think mm. you did stray away from going down certain roads with drugs because you knew that I was in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I certainly couldn't hide it from you. I could hide it from everybody else, but... I don't know if maybe you had, like, a subconscious fear that, you know, if you went down certain roads with certain drugs that I might follow you, but whatever it was, it worked. Mm. Like, you know, smoking weed, drinking, you know... You know, some pills here and there, like it it was not justifying any of it, but it was the extent of it. And then, you know, came the big blowout, um, which I'm not going to go down that road right now. That's a whole other fucking podcast (laughs) altogether. Uh, And I remember I the moment when I realized like he's he's gone, he's out of my life and he's not going to side with me in this whole situation. And the only thing I remember saying to myself was that was actually probably one of the last times I actually prayed to whatever God I I prayed to when I said, just let him live because I knew once I was gone, it was going to be like the, the chains are off. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I hoped that the people that you had sided with at the time for as much hatred as there was in the whole circle at the time, I remember saying to, to God, like, just let them take care of him. If if this is going to cost me my best friend, this whole situation, let let them you know do what I did and keep him alive. And you know I think everything else is you know we all know the history there at that mm-hmm. point. But uh, 
I don't want to say that that's the reason that you went down the road of addiction, but I think to a certain extent, if I was around, it, it may not have gone down the way it did. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say either way, but right, I do know I do know that a lot of the times of what kept me from sticking a needle in my arm was the fact that I knew I couldn't hide it from you. I could hide it from Fallon, I could hide it from anybody in my life, but you would know. And then I know that when, you know, I don't remember much of the time because it happened very rapidly, but like when I went down that, there was no checks and balances in my life. And you had always been a checks and balance. So I, I think it probably would have played out, but I don't think I would have died seven times <laughs> in the process. Um, but I mean, I, I, you know, no regrets. Um, <laughs> well, I certainly have regrets on, on, on the whole situation, but I mean, we don't need to go down that road. It was um, that, so River knows. Basically, you know, there was a blowout, and, and um, because of life situations i had to make a decision that i'm you know i wasn't okay with but kind of had to and uh it put a, a wedge between us um I, I tried to i blocked it out for a long time but um i think a big moment that really brought everything back up and it was still a long time after that before we spoke again but i remember the night my daughter was born mm. and i remember like i hadn't honestly it's not that like you you forget, but like I had almost like just forgotten oh, yeah. about the whole situation, mm -hmm. and it was like we were we had moved on, we were leading separate lives. There was no contact, no social media contact, no, uh, you know, I I didn't know anything about mm -hmm. your life anymore. Um, and I remember that night in the hospital, you know, like a couple minutes after I held my daughter for the first time, I remember saying to myself like, "Holy shit, Grant missed us," and that was like, that was hard. Um, Agreed. The same thing. I think I actually, if not reached out to you that night, it was very shortly after um, River was born that I, I sent a message out um, into the you know abyss to try and um, I, I do remember that I was that was a big moment where I was like, holy shit, you know this this is you know this is this is a little it's gotten out of hand. You know it's um, when you go so long with not talking, it's it's kind of almost harder to initiate you know with years gone by and i remember that was a moment i do remember that night i was like fuck you know this is crazy i remember you know i think it was sometime between my daughter being four and five was when i started hearing things um you know we had a very close mutual friend that passed away a few years before that uh connor the guy rest in peace um yeah and I, I remember sometime between me at being four and five when I, like, it took me weeks to come to the decision because I know once you, once you unblock somebody from social media, it's like all of a sudden life comes back into existence again because you start seeing everything again. And mm -hmm. I remember like right the moment that I unblocked you because um, everything I was hearing and, you know, I saw you were you were in a rough spot. You were at the time I remember seeing posts about you, you and Fallon getting divorced and, mm -hmm. you know, you could, I could just see your progression oh, yeah. or your degression, should I say, <laughs> um, fucking that's, degression. That's one thing I will say. Uh, Billy Brando is certainly wide open about his life. There uh, is a, a obvious fucking downfall in, in, in his, uh, <laughs> feed. That's why I haven't deleted the account. I do want River to actually someday look at it and, if she wants. I remember, uh, you know, kind of saying to myself, like, you know, my son was two at the time, two and a half. Mia was going on five, and 
I was like, what, what did this fucking come to? Like, I can't just, I can't sit back and watch them die. Um, you know, my, it, my kids, like, don't know him, and I couldn't live with that anymore. And I remember I didn't reach out to you first, and, and, I, and I was on the outside, so I didn't know the whole situation. I didn't know where your life had gone to. I just saw how bad it was. And I remember making the big mistake of reaching <laughs> out to Fallon first, <laughs> um, who I was not her favorite person mm -hmm. by any means. And, and you know, I don't, I don't hold any resentment against uh, against Fallon or anything like that. She, she was a mom and she did what she had to do. God mm -hmm. bless her. She's a fucking super mom uh -huh. for doing what she did. Absolutely, it had to be done. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I thought that's in some level that it was right for me to reach out to her first um and she was not receptive at all um shut me out you know it was and i and i get it you know well um, she was also very angry at me at the time yeah <laughs> and, and i know you guys i think you guys had literally i think the ink was still wet on your divorce papers yeah. um like you had and literally like 40th just got, relapse still <laughs> right you were, and i knew you know just from the grapevine i knew you were relapsing constantly you were in a bad spot um and after she wasn't receptive, I think like another two weeks went by, and I asked when I, when her reaction was as strong as it was, you know, toward me reaching out. I, I remember saying, "All right, Alan, this was a bad idea. I'm just I, what's dead is dead. What's gone is gone, and just leave, let it lie." Um, and then I don't even remember necessarily what it was, but you posted something one night, and that was that was like right there. I was like, "That's it." It was like two weeks after I had reached out to Fallon, and I was like, "That's it. I, I can't." And I'm just messaging. I remember like you were like, "What?" The, you were reserved as hell. You were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, the like, little backstory on that. Um, I was in Liberation Way at the yeah, time, yeah. and um, <laughs> Pennsylvania, oh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. and um, I had just I had a phone. Um, uh, hidden in the rehab because I snuck it in, but we had just yeah we had just got uh, phone privileges given to us, so I had to swap the phones um, during lunchtime to make sure that they knew that I wasn't hiding <coughs> the phone. And I had turned on my swapped phone, um, and your message literally came in like two minutes after I had turned the phone on. I was like, "What the fuck? That's out of nowhere." Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very glad that it went down that way. How do you feel? I mean, I, 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 it it couldn't have been easy because, I mean, at least at that time when we first started talking, I was under the, um, you know, um, quote-unquote care of a rehab. Um, we all know how that all went yeah, down. That's but a, another podcast. <laughs> but, um, you know, in... In that, you know, you you met me, and I I think I was in the point of getting towards ninety days, and like, and then seeing me die down, up and down, up and down. I mean, it, you know, the first thing we did was, you know, um, <laughs> the, the typical fucking Jesse and Grant fashion. Um, you know, we've been talking for ten minutes, and uh, what better way to resolidify our fucking friendship? Let's go get a tattoo. Um, <laughs> And it was like, I remember walking in, we went to the Philadelphia Tattoo Convention, I think, was the first time we yeah. actually hung out in seven years. Mm -hmm. I remember walking in like, what the fuck are you doing? I was saying to myself, like, we're, okay, whatever. Yeah, what better way to, you know, this is what me and Grant were all about. Let's do something fucking mm -hmm. extreme. And we went and got tattoos. Um, Matching. Matching, yeah. Although I still have a little bit of resentment towards you for not doing the I love you, I know, on our tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, 
we had, you had texted your mom while we were at the tattoo convention and said we were going to get lightsabers on our dicks. <laughs> and uh, I remember your mom making the very cold comment that there's no, what they're in the off position because yeah. they're not going to fit. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but you know what, man? I no regrets, and I think that was like the greatest way to mm-hmm. kick off after seven years of no contact. Um, and then just fast forward and a little from there, you know, like you said, it, from that moment, which I think was, God, this January, it'll be mm-hmm. like two years. Um, holy shit. Yeah, I know. But it goes I remember by fast. that first nine months, I, I almost thought, like, what a big fucking mistake you made talking to myself because you were at that, like, 90-day mark when I first came in, back into your life, and then you just started relapsing and mm-hmm. coming back and relapsing and coming mm-hmm. back and relapsing. And at a certain point, I said to myself, like, like, is this my fault? Like, I, I was like, he, you know, he seemed like he was on the right track. And then, you know, all of a sudden, he's like an emotional roller coaster. I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I got to back down again. Because, but then I learned a lot about addiction in a very short period of time. I think I read like three books on fucking addiction mm-hmm. when, when we first started talking again to try to understand where you were at. And I kind of started realizing, like, all right, I'm, it's not me. It's it's yeah, definitely no. something that's ingrained in his genes that, and there was trauma and things of that mm-hmm. nature that that were causing it from your childhood. Things that as close as we were that I never even knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, the, the in general, just ninety days for me, ninety to one hundred and two days was never good. I mean, I think I relapsed. I mean, twenty times at that fucking. Mark and I learned that that was the mark. You know that that ninety to one hundred and twenty day mark is like it's not just him; it's any addict. Mm-hmm. Like that, getting to that part is always like the easy part, and then everything after that is where it starts going downhill again because emotions start setting oh, back yeah. in and, and the guilt of everything that mm-hmm. that happened. Um, I don't think you believed that I was genuine even after getting yourself tattooed until about, you know, six months in to yeah. talking again. No, I agree. There was a, a long period, well, because I had been, you know, fucked over by so many people, I was like, there's got to be an ulterior motive here. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, 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 after really getting to know your kids, then that the trust started coming back. You know, not that I didn't trust you, but there was like, I remember I was like, he's after something. Why is he doing this? You know, but that there was, was honestly be- nothing I could have taken like there you know what i mean it was i uh, not holding it against you because again i wouldn't change a thing because of where we are right now but like i had a lot to lose mm-hmm. um you know i i'm married you know seven eight years i i've got two beautiful kids i have a career that i've been in you know 11 years and everything going great and then here i go you know start trudging into like you know crazy fucking situations mm-hmm. and ghettos and pulling mm-hmm. you out of places and and shit and it was like I remember one night at like two o'clock in the morning, uh, fighting my way down towards, I forget where the fuck you were, somewhere Yardley, Pennsylvania or some shit, like it was not a good area. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I wasn't going to do anything to put my family at risk and, or my kids or my wife, um, or anything I had created. And somehow I was able to balance the two out and, uh, I really... I haven't had this conversation with her, but I really owe my wife a lot because 
I try to look at it from her perspective. Oh, it must have been absurd. Here's this guy that she has no fucking clue who he is. She, you know, he wasn't at my wedding. He missed my kids being born. Uh-huh. He hasn't been even a remote thought. She's never even really heard me fucking talk uh-huh. about you. Uh-huh. I kept it all, like, buried. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden her husband's leaving in the middle of the night and like she must god knows what the hell she fucking thought like mm-hmm. at the time before she knew you and now mm-hmm. you know she loves you like mm-hmm. like a brother um but i mean like you know I, I i probably owe her uh a lot because i put her through a lot just yeah it's a lot of tr- it's funny that you say that i'm thinking that. about it now and and yeah that is a lot of trust that she has of like because it is, I mean, I was a nobody at, at that time. So it's like, why is my husband putting himself through this? Because I can't, I can't imagine, but I can certainly relate in dealing with people whom I love now and and trying to get them better and or not trying to get them better, trying to offer them help and it going south. It, it it's incredibly taxing uh, on on your psyche. Incredibly taxing. I can't. And these are people that I care about and I love, but not like family, you know, so I can't imagine a family member, you know, from your angle, looking at a family member doing that, it's got to be difficult. So I, I, I greatly appreciate everything you've done. I, th- I think a big part of it for me was, you know, even saying to myself, what, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you're, you're putting yourself at risk for this person who, yeah, it was, it was a past life, but you guys haven't had any contact. You're totally, you're totally different people. And I think, you know, going back to the whole point of this podcast, I don't think I would have done what I did if it wasn't for my kids mm-hmm. and being a dad. Because I remember saying to myself one night, like, and I knew at that point you had virtually no relationship with River. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, like, he's he's missing this. He is yeah. missing the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And there's got to be a way to get him back to wanting to be a dad um yeah those kids have sparked that again like I, um, that act reignited that flame in me i love those kids so much and i'm very i've never even met your kid and i love her like it's you know. i'm very grateful because i had given up on being a dad i was like it's just not going to happen and she's better off without me and i've learned through those kids that that is incredibly absurd when concept the first time you said that to me that she was better off without you that was when i knew that i had to take the risk of bringing you into my kid's life because you you needed to experience it again like you 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 had just forgot like and you know river if you're listening at any point um this fucking guy loves you more than anything. Um, I know he doesn't have a lot of contact with you, and it's very minimal right now, but he would step in front of a moving train for you, just like I would for my kids. Um, and hopefully one day, you know, in the, I'm sure, distant future, but one day we're all going to be sitting kind of laughing about this. I, I agree. <laughs> so how do you... How do you plan on educating your children? Because I know that you, you know, we both grew up, thankfully, in a very wonderful educational system. Um, You know, I mean, for being a public school, it was actually very valuable, I think. Um, You know, how do you plan on 
going about educating them in general, you know, um, like what are your concerns as a father of, of things that not, that school isn't going to teach them that you want to teach them? Because that's something I, I, I mean, things, that's literally uh, the point of this podcast. You know, we were kind of raised in that, uh, oh man, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to trash the way our parents raised us because they did the best that they could with what they had in front of them. And I love my parents. I love your parents, like second parents. And they, they did what they thought was right. And our whole generation was raised with that, you know, you can do anything you want yeah. mentality and the world is not a mean and scary place. And, <laughs> you know, it's all fucking sunshine and rainbows. And, and, but at the end of the day, dude, you know, it's how many kids in our generation, like, you know, drained themselves financially going to schools for things that like they can't even get jobs in now. Mm. You know, and I, I want my kids to really think hard, you know, when it comes to like their education and, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, dude, but like from, you know, 40 years ago till now, there, there's a couple of constants that have remained the same with, you know, career and, you know, financial stability. It's like there's basically like six main careers out there that like you can make a really good living at and, you know. Other than that, there's a lot of bullshit that, like, they talk these kids into going to school for that they're never going to have a career in. So how do you um, deal with that now? Because I know we've just, you know, had conversations uh, <laughs> over stuff about, I mean, the that mentality of, you, you know, putting a, a bubble around the, your child is, is probably worse than it was when we were a kid. Yeah. Like, how do, you, how do you handle that now? Because you have to, you know, your kids are now in daycare and you're, they're, getting introduced to that fucking life how do you handle that you know they're they're still at a young age where right now it's just about what toy are we going to play with mm. at this point in time and whose birthday party are we going to you know this weekend and they haven't hit that like uh that real real social stage yet where it's like you know all right well you know they, these are my friends those are their his friends and they, they haven't they're still each other's best friends. Yeah. Um, they learn a lot from each other because they are really close in age. I'm thankful that my kids are that close in age. Um, it's hard for me to answer that at this point. Did, is that even a concern of yours? You know, like, is that something? Because, like, for example, like, sometimes I will lay in bed at night and be like, how the fuck am I going to pay for this kid's college? You know? Oh, I, I think about that constantly, but at the same time, you know... I don't, but please don't take this like as me bragging or anything. I'm not, but, but like, here's me, this guy that like barely finished college, you know, barely has a shitty degree and something, by the way, that I did not end up doing as a career. <laughs> um, go fucking figure, you know, and, you know, I personally doing think great. I've created a, an outstanding life. Yeah, for my 100%. Um, I, I live in a house that is way bigger and nicer than I ever thought I would actually ever be able to afford. Mm. Um, I created a career in something I totally never thought I could. And to me, I, ha I finished a career already because, as, as you know, I, I just quit my job because I'm moving on to another career after, you know, 11 and a half years of doing the same thing. Um, personally, I, I'm just one of those people that feels like that you don't necessarily need a college degree. Agreed. Um, yes. It, it helps. It goes a long way. But my whole thing with college that I think, you know, it sounds a little closed minded when I'm about to say this. I'm going back to, like I said, the, the, the six main careers since the beginning of time that just, it's like, 
it's almost not worth it to pay for it anymore if you're not going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or you know it, the the main careers that just constantly have financial stability. Yeah. And that's yeah. I think that's all anybody really wants is financial stability. Yeah. One guy's definition of financial stability and my definition might be totally different, but financial stability is what what lets you sleep at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially in a world of inflation where just like it just keeps getting more expensive to live and it's not realistic in my opinion anymore to say that you can't have a career and you just do whatever you want and you've got to have some type of financial stability just to survive in this world Mm -hmm. um i think that also brings a lot on when it comes to addiction is is just finance without financial stability it leads downhill real quick um you know i want my kids to know that that i will help them do whatever it is they want to do in, in any way I possibly can. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not going to be able to, you know, I know I'm not going to be able to shell out, you know, a million dollars for them to go to Ivy League schools or mm-hmm. anything like that. But whatever I can do and however I can guide them to get to where they want to be and where it's not going to be about what I want. It's going to be about what they want. Um, you know, it's... On, on, on that, you're... You you just left um, a major position, good paying, something that you know very well, something that you're very good at, and you're now going into a complete. You know, you were a manager at a, at a car sales uh, place, and now you're going to be a cop. <laughs> what are your? Uh, I, I I part of this is when you're done. Uh, and you graduate and you become a cop, I want to do this again to try and like just kind of document the change. What are your fears? Because I'm sure you're fucking terrified right now. You know, um, I was raised by a cop. So the reason I'm doing what I'm doing, it, it kind of comes from just the way I was raised. And I honestly, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do it when I was younger and that, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm going to walk into a, a police academy with guys that are all in their early twenties. Um, one of my biggest fears is that just the physical aspect of what I'm about to walk into in two days. Um, you know, you, you create this cre- career and, uh, you know, like I said, I have no regrets about the car business and, and what I accomplished. And, you know, I, I basically got myself to a point where I could run any single department in a dealership on mm-hmm. my own. Um, I, w- I was running multiple departments, for, for that matter, for a long time. People working under me, people respected me. You know, you know I, I didn't realize how many people respected me and, and, you know, loved working for me until I was walking out the door. And, and every, you know, you're, you're with them every day and then they start saying it when you're leaving. It's like emotional. Um I think that, you know, when you're making that much money at a young age, and money is not everything, and I realize that now, you know, in my 30s, but at a young age, it's like, wow, this is fucking easy. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm looking at myself and a lot of the people I grew up with and seeing how far ahead I was of a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tried you tried you I tried to get out a couple times, and it's like... I hate saying it, but money is the root of all evil, in my opinion, because, you know, they wave that carrot in front of your face when you're trying to leave, and it's like, all right, I'll I'll stay for that. Um, One of my biggest fears is just the lifestyle I've created because of that career, you know, may now suffer. Um, Thanking, you know, very thankfully, I have a a wife who is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, She's an amazing woman. 
like she doesn't care if we've got the three thousand square foot house in the in the high tax area with you know the amazing schools or if we're you know living in an apartment um I guess that's a benefit of marrying a girl from a third world country, but, uh, you know, you get off easy at holidays and stuff that much. Um, love you, babe. Uh, but, um, yeah, that, that's one of my biggest fears is just the financial change, you know, taking an enormous pay cut to, you know, do something dangerous. And that's, you know, that's what's going to be my thing is like, I, I used to run where you're going to be a cop. And I've been in that. I've been the criminal that you're going to be chasing, and it's bad. Is there a fear there, or is it be, because you were raised with a cop? Like it's, it's. I'm sure it's a fear, you know. But so I was always kind of raised as like a, a first responder in mm-hmm. a sense. You know, I'm I'm that guy. You know, I'm not looking for a fucking hero badge or anything, but like I'm that guy that like you know. I seem to always be in the fucking right place at the right time. Like, yeah, I know. I'm it's always, crazy. It is weird. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, people roll a car right in front of me. Yeah, you know, it's when crazy. I'm driving or on my front lawn. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm always going to be that first guy running in to to try to you know help someone because if I was you know sitting there dying on the side of the road or, or something, I want somebody to help me. Um, and that's just I think how he raised me from a young age that there's no panic factor for me. Um, and I think that's why I kind of missed my calling in this career. Like there's a lot of people out there that just can't handle that kind of thing mm-hmm. when it goes down or they panic. And I'm the first one that's just like, my head is completely together and everybody's yeah. looking at me for, for mm-hmm. what to do. Um, and I think that to go to your question, like if you are scared of that kind of stuff, that's why some people are cops and some aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong, I've had, you know, my run-ins and everything over the years, and I've, I'm not saying that all cops are that way. There are good cops and there are bad cops. Um, that just comes from training and, and attitude, I think. But, mm-hmm. you know, this if you're scared, I don't think you were meant to be a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that a cop was the only outlet for me. It just happens to be the easiest, again, because, you know, it was readily accessible. You know, I took tests, I scored high, I guess it's amazing to me I, I didn't realize how much of a process it was like people on the media and stuff they they're kind of totally wrong when you know they do not just slap a badge and a gun on anybody that that asks for it it, it is straight like stressful yeah it's cr- the process you've gone through in the last couple months is crazy I mean, it's it, not just months the last year yeah. um psychological exams psychological tests uh competency tests, IQ tests, background investigations, that they, they, they went door to door to my neighbors. Uh, I mean, you name it, they did. I, I, I must have pissed in a cup 75 times in mm. the last six months. You know, it's just, it's amazing, you know, and then to think to myself too, that there are still guys that get through that process that somehow trick the system, but it's really not easy. Mm. Um, and I know, you know, one of my other biggest fears is my wife knows me. She knows who I am. She knows how I've been since she married me. And one of my biggest fears is that I know this process is going to change me. Mm-hmm. Um, the next five months of this academy, they're going to break me down and mold me into something completely different. And I just hope that when I come out of it at the end that I'm still something that my wife is somewhat uh, attracted to and uh, devoted to. In a sense, mm-hmm. they, I, I've read books on this, and you do you come 
it's like you go into this tunnel like a production line and you do come out on the other side like a almost a totally different person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know I'm, i want to try to hang on to who i am in this process and not lose too much of myself do you think a lot of that'll come from the fact that um you're coming home every night compared to being you know the the other thing you were going to do you weren't yeah, going to be home there's i mean all departments are different you know some some academies make you live there some some you can go home every night i just it, that's almost like a 50 50 mix and it doesn't really change the job or how the department is um i guess some departments feel like when you come home you're distracted but i think yeah in a big way that'll that'll kind of help me you know turn it off every day and, and come back to to normal life for a little while um but there, it's it's definitely going to be a, a life changing experience again coming from a career in finance into this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, going back to what I said, this is probably my biggest regret was not doing it younger. Mm-hmm. But hey, you live and learn, and it is what it is. Um, I have my reasons, and I, I'm confident it's all going to work out the way it needs to. So then, on that, like, I like to kind of end this with. Um, if, if I was able to put young Jesse, I don't, whatever that manifests in your head, I don't care what age, whatever you see, you had a chance to give him a piece of advice, um, that you wish you got at that age. What do you, what are, what are you thinking? Um, honestly, uh, just be aware of the world. Um, be aware of the world and it is not the sunshiny rainbow place that you're being raised to think it is Um, (laughs) don't go to fucking culinary school (laughs) no matter how much you think you want to don't go to culinary school I would have said that to him and uh, probably would have told him don't uh, cut out of Grant's life because that again was one of my biggest regrets and then lastly who's the favorite kid (laughs) <laughs> I'm joking. You. <laughs> My third child. Yeah, certainly. Um, uh, I, I love you, dude. I'm, I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of where you are right now. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're a big, 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 big motivation as to why I uh, kept my shit together, and I'm very grateful for uh, the fact that uh, you, you know you brought me into a good company. I do, I do think we have a. Uh, uh, I now have a, a good boss. Um, is there? I'm going to throw another one in there. Um, what what do you want to say to future you? In, it's six months, right? Uh, the whole process? Uh, it's four months and three weeks. So it's, it's basically five months. So in five months when you've gone through this rigorous life uh, re-altering, what do you want to tell Cop Jesse? Regardless, I want to tell him regardless of what this next five months does to you, to your psyche, to, you know, who you just remember who you are. Um, remember what you went through and where you came from and how you got to this point. And, you know, the biggest thing I think I want to tell future Jesse is cause you know, you always have that thing when you start a new career that you, you want to, you want to do well and you want to impress somebody and you want to, you know, you want to make like that impact, you know, going into something new. Um, this is a lot different than the other jobs I've had in the career I had where, you know, not saying that you, not saying that, uh, you're scared of, of, I'm scared of what I'm going into, but you know, I have a lot to lose. Um, 
I got a wife and two kids and a lot of good people in my life and just don't be too eager to, you know, put yourself in a situation where you could potentially get hurt or killed. Mm -hmm. Um, Think, you know, which is how I got to this point in this hiring process because I can't think with a clear head and just make the right decisions and don't, you know, don't do anything fucking stupid. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's... It, um, River, I love you, as always. Love you, River. Can't wait to meet you. <laughs>